the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, we got a ton of things we could cover today, including uh, Joe Biden earlier Monday appointed the Republican uh, to keep running the uh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. I'm not sure I believe that the guy's a Republican, but basically um, the message there is that we're going to keep doing everything we're doing, which is spending more money, printing more money, flooding the zone. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope that the progressives are mad at him. I don't think it's good for the country to no matter what, I think the Fed is out of control. But be that as it may, that's not what I want to talk about. Welcome. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got a short week. Everybody's going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. So I know you'll be off and about. I hope you'll take the Pro-America Report as a podcast. If you're listening live now, you can go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and you can sign up there for the Daily Wink. You can also get all the great interviews we're doing. All that stuff is available there. And for now... We got some great interviews. Ted Malik is coming in. Uh, we also will. I think I got a Christmas story. I'm going to get this in under the gun here right before Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to talk with our old friend from over at WT. Excuse me, geez, can't speak today. EWTN. His name, of course, is Raymond Arroyo. He's got the spider who saved Christmas, and uh, we'll talk with him about that. But before we get to that, what you need to know today's wink is a little different. Like I said, we could talk about the build back better uh, boondoggle that passed uh, on Friday through the House. It's got to go over to the Senate. I don't know if it'll have any chance to pass, but I will tell you it's money. Follow the money. I think ultimately the Democrats will make a deal with each other to get some money. That's what they do. Spend, spend, spend. But I don't want to talk about that. I don't even want to talk about uh, the Rittenhouse ruling, the Rittenhouse decision. I'm glad he was acquitted. I think the system worked, and I think we're seeing the left, especially MSNBC, lose their minds. No, today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about how CNN is being silenced by the government. You heard me right. It's not the American government. They would never silence CNN. But over in China, CNN has been silenced by the communist regime in China. Now, why? Well, the story, which, you know, sometimes it's a story that will capture the attention of people that, you know, is a narrative that's different than the big one. The big one right now in in communist Chinese regime is the command control economy, the command control regime, the command control domination by the Communist Party has done what? Well, it's it's persecuted the Fulan Gong adherents. It's put the Uyghurs, Muslim Uyghurs, into some kind of re-education camp or worse. It's uh, stolen IT, stolen intellectual property. It's sent fentanyl to America, all these different things. But the story right now is a tennis star, a Chinese tennis star who was uh, for a number of years out on the international tour. Um, She has briefly published the fact that she was abused. The accusation is rape uh, by a senior communist official. 
And so that that happened. And when she either tweeted about that or did an interview about that, she then was, um, well, silenced and no one heard from her. She kind of disappeared. And after people started asking questions, includes including the, uh, is it the World Tennis Association? Whatever the governing body of tennis is, uh, their leadership said, what's going on here? Some uh, leaders in America said, uh, some of tennis uh, and other sports, women's sports said, what's going on here? I guess she was a popular, very popular athlete on the tour. She was a number one ranked doubles partner, I think. I don't think she was quite as good on the on the broader circuit, but on the, on the doubles circuit, she was very successful. And so... She, um, well, she disappeared. And so for about three or four, maybe five days, people have been saying, uh, where is this woman? She made this allegation that this senior communist official raped her or sexually assaulted her. I think it's a rape claim. And she's gone. Well, in the last 48 hours, she has appeared on a video. And then she released a statement saying she's fine. And I have to tell you, it looks like a hostage video. To me, I mean, it doesn't. Look, I, let me say that different. It doesn't look like a hostage video. It, it, it when you understand the context, you say to yourself, "Ah, that's a hostage video." It looks like a regular video. It looks like a normal person. It looks like a you know person talking. But it, you say, "What's the context here?" And she's so she has a video where she's that shows her at an event. She releases a statement, a printed statement, and now she's gone silent again. Now, my point here is the Chinese. The communist regime must be worried. And here's where it gets in. Delicious. CNN covers this and they're blacked out in China because of it. Now, let me say this. We were talking a few weeks ago to Chris Fenton and Chris Fenton has written a book called Feeding the Dragon about his extensive experience in China and how the communist regime dealt with Hollywood and the movies. It's a really good book. It's really interesting about how China works, how the regime works, how initially they wanted to get into uh, Hollywood and wanted access. Then they started doing it themselves and they sort of now have dominated through uh, their own, you know, where with all and anyway the tension here well and chris fenton mentioned to me when you go to china if you're staying at a hotel they'll have cnn they'll have some western channels but if they don't like the program they just go black in other words the program will stop for the length of the segment five six seven minutes and then they'll come back on well that's what's happened in china over this tennis player story the tennis player story was being covered by CNN, and it's been blacked out. Now, he also, Chris Fenton also was telling me that you don't get CNN at your home in China. It's only to these hotels, you know, to the international hotels. Still, still end. You, the point is that the communist regime wants to shut down that story, doesn't want people to hear it, and they're willing to go to the, that length. So here's the thing. We should talk about it more. We should talk about it more and we should say what happened here, because at this point we know two things. One, she claimed something and it's a bit sordid, by the way. She I, later it came out that she had been having a long term relationship with this guy in the past, uh, but that it had stopped. And so it doesn't make it any better or worse. What she what happened to her? I'm not judging. it. I'm just saying it's a little bit different than a young woman and this older guy. I, I guess there was some relationship in the past, but we know something. She alleged that something happened. OK, that's what we know. And then we know that she's basically disappeared. 
And insofar as people are objecting, saying what happened, the communist regime is scrambling. So here's the real and, and the overlay, of course, is that the communist regime is supposed to host the Olympics. Justin, how what, what in maybe what is it? Um, is it uh, is it in three months, four months? I'm not sure when they start. But the Olympics are, are, are supposed to be in the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Oh, February. Yeah, February 4th. So we're talking about one, two, three. We're talking about three months from now. Not even less than three months, two and a half months from now, the world's athletes. Now, tennis isn't one of them. Obviously, it's Winter Olympics, but are the world's athletes, all the Winter Olympics, hockey and skating and all are all supposed to come to Beijing for the Olympics. And the communist regime is silencing one of their biggest stars. It gets very, very interesting because it gives a... I told you, narrative drives things, right? The story that people have that they relate to. It's one of the things about Chris Fenton's book, Feeding the Dragon. If you read that book, you you have uh, Morton Downey Jr. in there, and you have the the Iron Man, the the, the, uh, movie. You have these stories. Uh, Even Chris Fenton speaks about... um, uh, Kobe Bryant and others, the NBA. He's got all these stories that weave in. It makes you feel the context differently than someone just making an argument. China's big and bad. They're not very nice. They don't treat people well. It's a different kind of argument because of that uh, context. And so I'm, I, what I'm saying is this has the potential of uh, this has the potential um, of um, of really being a problem for the Chinese regime. And really being something that the Chinese regime uh, is, uh, is, is going to have to handle or deal with in the next six weeks uh, because they have a problem with the coming Olympics, right? The people are talking about it. I think it was uh, maybe it was Ted Cruz or Tom Cotton. The, the senators uh, were saying there should be a diplomatic boycott of the Chinese uh, Olympics. And I don't know what that means. I guess it means that we won't keep the athletes away because it's mean to do to them. They train their whole life and you get to this point and you're going to have it canceled. So you're just going to have not not have the diplomats come i don't know i'm not sure that's i'm not sure that's um uh better i don't know what to make of that but um anyway the point is it's going to be uh, something that isn't going away it's going to be something that's a big deal we'll have to see uh what comes of it all right uh we've got to take a break when we come back we'll talk with ted malik about this topic and others we also will um later on by the way we uh, we're going to have a uh replay of the noah says segment i think it'll be later this week a thanksgiving version excuse me not a replay uh, a we recorded a thanksgiving version of Noah Says. You're going to want to tune in for that uh, later on this week as we celebrate Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I've been looking forward to this. I got an inf- information on him. been looking forward to it for a while because this is a great question that can he can answer. He's well-positioned. Mike Kucharski is the uh, president. Uh, let me get it right. I'll make sure because I, I get in trouble with his colleagues. Yeah, he's the co-owner and vice president of an, or- of an entity called JKC Trucking based in Chicago. They've got, they literally have hundreds, over 350, just around 350 trucks, trailers that are out there delivering all the food you like, all the things all across the country. And so he has been all around. You might have seen him on Newsmax recently. And he's talking about, hey, when a gallon of gas goes up, 
this is what it does and how it affects everybody across the spectrum. And people need to understand that. So first of all, welcome, Mike Kucharski. How are you? Ed, thank you for having me on your show. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Now, you're based in Chicago. Does anybody say Kucharski, Mike Kucharski, and then they say, I remember those, uh, was it Bill Swirsky, the Saturday Night Live uh, Chicago Bears fans? Can you do an imitation of the Bears guys or no? Oh, no, 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 I can't do an imitation of that. That, that takes talent, and I, I, I don't have that. <laughs> uh, all right, so so tell me this, Mike. Um, you know, when you when I see when you see gas prices go up, what happens in your industry? How does it affect your ability to hire, keep staff, what you have to charge? Walk us through what happens and what's happened in say the last three to six months. Well, yeah, let's start with you know uh, pre-pandemic we were short truck drivers and obviously we shut down uh, due to the pandemic. <laughs> to give you guys an example, JKC we haul food frozen, uh, refrigerated food to all the big box chains, restaurants, casinos, hotels. So when we closed down, we lost over 50% of our business. So uh, consumption wow. of, of fuel went away uh, and mm-hmm. it started following drivers, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But since the pandemic, it started, it only intensified the truck driver shortage. You know, to give you an example, 20 to 25% of all truck drivers across the spectrum, you know, currently are missing. You know, they're still not back to work. You know, and this, 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 everybody should be concerned about this because the driver shortage, it affects all of us. You know, the end user, mm-hmm. what happens, the end user pays more, which is us, the American people. You know, to give you an idea, the catalyst, you know, that are causing this, you know, skyrocketing costs, you know, fuel is going right. up, insurance is going up, labor is going up. JGC always paid above average uh, for labor, but when the pandemic hit, we increased our uh, pay five cents because our competition is increasing our pay. You know, on top of that, when we get to these warehouses where there's constantly labor shortages, they don't have enough people there. You know, you can't walk down the block and look at a window that says, you know, help wanted, help wanted. Uh, There is just not enough people working. So when we're delivering these these food shipments, you know, something that would take four hours to deliver, sometimes taking 24 to 48 hours, which is slowing down the whole spectrum of, of, of the truck's you know, going back, you know, the, the, the full employees is not helping and, and the stimulus checks is definitely not helping, you know, and all it's doing is raising the cost. The, uh, we're talking with Mike Kucharski and he and his company are in the trucking business and they're seeing the front lines here. And we, you know, we had on the radio program uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Larry Elder, who used to be a radio host and now is running for uh, governor of, of uh, California. And wh- I asked him what the first thing he's going to do when he gets in office. Actually, it was interesting. He said he was going to uh, address homelessness and the, and the problem of homelessness has got to be addressed. But he went on and he was talking about the burden of uh of regulation on uh, on business. I got to think in trucking. Now, I remember when when they said keeping the trucks on the road was essential services because we didn't run out of food, right? We didn't want to run out of food. And and, and so there was a sort of fight to stay on the road. But there's a, and so they waived a lot of things, you know, the requirements for a certain number of hours and all these things. But uh, talk to me about the burden of the, uh, of the regulatory framework on trucking and how it's increased, you know, the contrast in, and if there is, if there's one obvious between Trump administration and Biden administration. So, yeah, since, you know, my father began trucking in 77 and since then the regulations have increased. Actually, we're constantly you know, we're over-regulated in the trucking industry. The drivers are constantly looking over their shoulder from state to state when they go in there because when these drivers are going through state to state, let's say we're going from Iowa to Nebraska and we get stopped, 
an inspected in Iowa. We pull into Nebraska and they want to do another inspection. We say, hey, we just got inspected in Iowa. They say, hey, welcome to Nebraska. We're going to inspect you again. And what they're doing is, you know, they're trying to get you to find some kind of violation to give you a ticket. Because, you know, the, the way these uh, governments see that the trucking companies are a big, sli- a big ham and everybody wants to slice. You know, and it's, it, it's right. killing the regulation. It, it's killing, you know, none of these drivers, you know, they're scared. They don't want to deal with this no more. You know, it, it's not fun to, mm-hmm. no, uh, to them no more. You know, trucking is a lifestyle, yeah. and, and it sucks when you have to be looking over your shoulder all the time. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're overregulated. To give you an example, the ELDs, you know, I supported the ELDs coming in, but since they implemented the ELD, they've changed the rules for the ELDs about two to three times for what, you know, because they were too, too rigid and they have to keep adjusting them. You know, the, the biggest problem is the people that make these laws, you know, don't reach out to these businesses and, and, and see and ask them, Hey, uh, truckers, what do you, what are you guys struggling with? What do you guys need? You know, explain it to me. You know, the goal was to, you know, do the ELDs because it was supposed to save lives. In contrary, it's mm-hmm. causing more accidents. You know, people are, drivers are, yeah. are, are chasing the clock and it's doing the complete opposite. Uh, again, we're talking with Mike Kucharski, and uh, he has run a family business, over 350 trucks out on the road. Um, so now, t- now just tell me straight up the gas prices. How fast, if you're driving a truck and gas prices are literally, you know, prices of, of fuel are literally going up like day to day, you can't, mm-hmm. or can you? Can you pass that cost on to fast enough, or do you have to eat it for a few days and then bank on it? How do, Because it's got to be impacting not just the, the projection of your company to figure out how to make the numbers work. Well, we're, we're passing, we, we have to eat it a little bit. We, we update it every weekly. Weekly, we update it uh, every Monday. But we are passing that cost to the consumer because, you know, when, when these costs, we have to cover these costs and, and make a little bit of a profit so we could stay in business. You know, if we can't pass these costs on, not that we want to, you know, trust me, it's, right. it's, it's, it's breaking our hearts too, but we have to pass these costs on so we could stay another day in business until, you know, things, things, you know, one day get back to normal if, if they ever do. Well, and that's one thing I want to ask you as a businessman now, and you mentioned your family's got this experience for you know three or four decades. How do you try to manage the future? I mean, a business is actually a lot of what they're doing is looking towards the future, figuring it out right now. You know, one week, it seems like we're exiting the pandemic and returning to normal. The next week, we're talking about shutdowns and clampdowns and shifts. I mean, how hard is it? Now, you guys have a sort of track record. So you've got, you know, a 40 plus years in the, you know, in the tank, as we say, to to try to hold, you know, know how you're going to hold on. A lot of smaller businesses get knocked on their heels in the first six months and they're, they're no longer in business. How, how do you how do you guys um, manage this? What are you feeling like right now? Uh, it, it's a very it's a very stressful business to be in right now. I thought the worst year in trucking was in 2008 when the market crashed, but this by far is 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 worse. You know, they said, "Hey, listen, guys, 20, 2020 is going to be a bad year. We're going to shut down. 2021 is going to be a better year." You know, here comes 2021 and you know, they barely started opening things. I wouldn't call it a, a better year. You know, it, it's hard to, it's hard to look into the future and, and, and see what's going to happen. You know, one thing I do know what's going to have to happen is that the, if we do have another pandemic, these warehouses and these people that run these distribution companies need to have more of a safety stock. You know, we saw what happened when, when the people went, ran to Costco and bought out, you know, all the toilet paper, when, when the pandemic hit, you know, they, they were overbuying and they were throwing stuff out 
and, and you know, Costco and all these warehouses, their safety stock is, is, is razor thin. You know, nobody wants to spend any stock because it costs money. That was the model, right? No stock, save money. And mm-hmm. you know, one of the things they have to change is, you know, we can't get the food fast enough. Every day I have phone calls and I have to say no to business because not that I want to, I, just, I don't have enough to labor, you know, to, to move all this product. You know, it's it just, it's just mm-hmm. crazy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, how's this? I, I like to get, you know, I always uh, thought that it couldn't get any worse. And I was saying that in 2020 and here came 2021. So I can't give a prediction, you know, uh, if, How's this? I want to say 2022 should be better if there's not going to be no more shutdowns and we continue to go in this way. And obviously, they, you know, they get all, everybody, we need all the workers to come back. You know, we need all hands on deck. You know, the, the government's got to stop paying these stimulus checks. I believe they said they're not going to stop paying until September. You know, we need these workers back. You know, we're, we're digging right. ourselves out of this COVID hole here, mm-hmm. right around the corner. Here comes the holidays. It's another big push. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be a hard year, you know what I mean? And it's, it's yeah. all the American people, you know, paying more at the pump and now you're paying more at the, at the grocery store if you can even buy what you want. Right, right. Well, uh, thank you uh, again, Mike Kaczerski. You've seen him probably on Newsmax. He was on uh, recently. He also is, of course, running a business, JKC Trucking, with uh, over 350 uh, trucks out there. And uh, thanks for your insight, and I appreciate you getting out there with your voice out there. It's it's always kind of risky in these modern times to get out there and say the truth because somebody wants to, if they disagree politically, they start to chirp. It's uh, probably a good sign of Chicago uh, toughness that you're out there doing it. We appreciate it. So thanks, Mike. And thank you for your support. Thank you so much. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll put this up on social media and a link to Mike's appearance on Newsmax. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm happy to welcome back Jim Hansen. He's a U.S. Army Special Forces, retired, and uh, then went on to a career in the private sector in business, and he has commented many times on national security issues. Others, and I, I came to know him through his book, which was published by Republic Book Publishers, and the book is entitled Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. came out uh, May 16th of this year, and, uh, and, and it is... Um, uh, it is really uh, well-timed, uh, Jim, I have to say. And so welcome to the program. How are you today? Good to be with you, Ed. Uh, yeah, a lot going on. A lot going on. So first, before we get to it, I got something about, uh, I want to talk about Australia, what's happening there, because it's, it's almost happening moment to moment. Before I get to that, I want to go back to your book, because when you started to write that book, um, you, you probably couldn't know the, the, how the election would go. More importantly, you couldn't know probably January 6th was going to happen the way it was and how it was going to be weaponized by the left. But, you know, the question I had thinking of you looking at your book last night in preparation for this is... How do you how do you with a straight face or how does one with a straight face compare what Antifa and Black Lives Matter, the rioters did and then what happened on January 6th and watch the difference in treatment? And it's almost like the nation were just too tired or were too brainwashed to notice nobody's doing anything. I mean, they're they're literally I think a couple days ago could have been today that there was one of the guys is being sent back to prison for watching the Internet. You know, one of the guys that's been charged and not charged with insurrection, by the way, he's charged with some. So how do you how do you with a straight face Antifa Black Lives Matter is burning down cities and now they by the way they just disappeared now they're not around because they were political it was for the election season but the the enforcement and the prosecution is just stunning isn't it 
It is a 100% hypocritical use of political power to attack your enemies. And by your enemies, I mean the left enemies. So the, right. the permanent bureaucracy and, you know, all of the folks who for so long have been trying to fundamentally transform this country into some kind of socialist, you know, people, uh, are working to use their ability to control both the narrative in the media and the use of our law enforcement and national security apparatus to attack our side. And it's, it's, we cannot afford anymore to allow that to happen. And you're absolutely right. The BLM Antifa riots, riots uh, were the spur for this for me. I'd seen it coming for a long time, but the, the title uh, was a, an idea that they were firing the opening shots in a, a much scarier kind of war, and our team had to pay attention to what was going on on the constitutional side, or this could spiral out of control. Well, and so before I go back to, I want to go to Australia next, but I mean, has it spiraled out of control? I mean, do you think it's out of control now? I think we are actually going to take back the House and Senate in 2022, and I think that puts us back on a more political footing with this battle than the potential, you know, between um, the the actual insurrections that happened when they took control of a city in Seattle last year. And, uh, you know, the hype they did, as you mentioned, trying to turn the January 6th, which was a riot, but not an insurrection by any stretch of the imagination, into an actual, you know, a- ability to label all of us on the right extremists. So I think we've kind of stepped right. back from that precipice as long as 2022's election happens properly. <laughs> well, and I, I don't want to get into this is the different conversation. Again, we're talking with uh, Jim Hansen, whose book is Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot, available uh, Republic Book Publishers and go anywhere and find it. I mean, that's the question, right? We'll see probably in a few weeks. It, what I hear in California is the recall. It, it's going to make the 2020 election look like a walk in the park. They're doing everything from stuff in the ballot boxes to you know, gathering. I and mean, we'll see. I mean, we, if we ever have a, a real election again. But now back to Australia or over to Australia, we're watching in Australia mandatory uh, app for your phone that you have to prove where you are. If you don't prove it fast enough, they'll send the police out for you. I guess the question I have for you, Jim, is in your book and in observing this, is, is, that, so, is that what we should fear? Or should we say to ourselves, look, Australia's a massive country with only, you know, one, what, 20th the size of America. It's a different uh, mindset. They, they don't have a Second Amendment. They don't have, I mean, I, but it's, it, it's, it's stunning to watch. They're literally, you know, uh, gonna uh, cops are gonna go and, and make sure you're in your home because they're cracking down on the covid stuff no I, I think we should absolutely look at that as a canary in the coal mine now you, you mentioned it they don't have our constitution they don't have those protections but the left in america now no longer respects the constitution or those protections and they're doing everything they can to take them away so they they literally right. now think that hate speech should no longer be covered covered by the First Amendment and protected. But yet, if they get to define what hate speech is, we're probably doing hate speech right now, you and I. So we can't trust right. that the Constitution, as you know, expected and, and as it actually is written, uh, is a 100% guarantee anymore. And we have to be vigilant in making sure that we are involved in every aspect of political, civil, and cultural pushback against the woke left and that's really that's the theme of my book is everybody has to get in that fight or we could become australia and that would be a disgrace 
Uh, again, we're talking with Jim Hansen, uh, retired U.S. Army Special Forces. You can hear it in his uh, in his uh, voice and in, in the conversation. His book, Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. I have to give you credit for this. May 16th, the book came out. Most people, and this is what I want to get to next with with you and your experience in, in security and in managing people and seeing, uh, you know, uh, warfare. Most people at this point are looking up and going, you know what? It's not that advantageous for me to be publicly identified with the, you know, right, center right or Trump or anything else. You, you published a book <laughs> that went right out into it. But h- how do we how do we uh, sort of encourage? I worry that, you know, candidates for office are great for us to rally around, but it's not sufficient. In other words, yes, we need a new Congress and yes, we need new leadership, but we also need sort of, uh, you know, smaller movements of people. We need courage to become contagious because the, the threat right now, the wokeness is actually they'll take on you and me and General Flynn, the left will, and they'll they'll happily pick that up. But they're mostly playing for the crowd and saying, just be quiet. It's easier for you to be quiet. It's easier for you not to have to answer a question at work about a bumper sticker or something you said that's the real myth self-censorship is the real threat here you know ed i think you hit the nail right on the head and that's that's where i want to appeal to all of your listeners and everyone else because every time one more patriot raises their hand and says i'm not going to take this anymore I'm not going to let you push me out of our public conversation with your thought policing, you know, with your idea that conservative beliefs are now somehow extremism. Conservative beliefs are America. And the idea that we should be scared to speak is is the way they're doing it. They're using that against us. And at one more Patriot stands up, two more people see them. And then they're emboldened to stand up. And we start and we link arms and we form a shield wall and then we advance on them. And I think that's the way to do it. It has to come at the grassroots level, at every school board meeting, city council meeting, the lunchroom at work, wherever it is. Yes, they may attack you, but you'll be emboldening your friends and neighbors and countrymen. And together we'll prevail against them. We're not going to lose to, you know, the artisana arugula chomping <laughs> We're going to beat them. There you go. Uh, winning the second civil war without firing a shot. Jim Hansen's book. Uh, Jim, last thing about uh, uh, at this moment, you must have watched what happened in Afghanistan, in particular with uh, with a heavy heart and probably a bit of anger. And and I guess the question I have to ask for you is: We had to end the war. Everybody says that it was always going to be hard to do. Taliban was probably going to gain ground over time. I think I read the Russians when the Soviets when they left Afghanistan it took a couple years for the, the the sort of propped up government they they put in place to get wiped out. Um, um, but but the level of incompetence, I guess, is it incompetence in your mind what the, they did as they pulled out Biden and his team? Is it negligence? Is it intentional? How do you feel about it? Uh, it, it is all three. And that's the truly horrifying thing. They, they had a bad idea. They did it in foreknowledge of the potential events and they did it incompetently. So I, I don't think you can give them an ounce of credit for anything beyond the desire to make and score political points by being the administration that finally withdrew from Afghanistan, which I agreed with and I wanted them to do. But we had a right as Americans, and the world had a right with America as the preeminent world power, for that to happen professionally and competently and not be done with secret backroom deals where the Taliban gets bought off and you know is essentially given now all the trappings of a modern army 
and control of a mid-sized country. That was a disgrace. Biden, if, if he had the guts to resign, should. If not, he should be impeached. And none of the, the military leaders should ever show their faces in public again. Sadly, none of them will resign. That <laughs> sounds right. That's the craziest thing about it. Nobody's held accountable at all. I mean, and you'd think at least they'd adjust and somebody would uh, walk the plank to say, hey, we screwed it up. But all right, Jim Hansen, thank you for coming on with us. Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot, uh, a hardcover book available, Republic Book Publishers. I, I have the book. It's really good. Jim Hansen's very uh, helpful. So check it out. Thanks, Jim, for the time. Great to be with you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Americans who believe in God had better wake up and realize that a well-orchestrated campaign is moving to fundamentally transform the United States into a scrupulously secular nation. If this succeeds, we will no longer enjoy our First Amendment right of free exercise of religion, but will be forbidden to speak or display any prayers, Bible quotations, or other evidences of religion in any public place or event. The major strike force working to accomplish this consists of the ACLU plus various atheist groups. They are always ready to file lawsuits to get some supremacist judge to restrict religious expression. The various attacks on Christmas, on school kids singing Christmas carols, and even on greeting people with Merry Christmas shows how determined and petty these anti-Christian activists are. This effort is magnified by two other organizations that have a major impact on our culture, the military who feel the temptation to be politically correct and the liberal bureaucrats in public schools who now feel free to teach their left-wing ideas. Some public school busybody bureaucrats are trying to suppress any and all religious mention on school property, even student-initiated prayer. America was founded on very different beliefs about government actions. Most of our founding fathers spoke openly and frequently about their faith in God and dependence on his blessings on America. As Alexis de Tocqueville, the Frenchman who traveled our country in the mid-19th century, wrote, and I quote, Upon my arrival in the United States, the religious aspect of the country was the first thing that struck my attention. The Americans combine the notions of Christianity and of liberty so intimately in their minds that it is impossible to make them conceive of the one without the other. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Freedom of worship and the right to express our faith and read our Bibles is foundational to America. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to track mounting threats to the free exercise of religion and equip you to fight back. Your defense begins at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, if you're like my kids, you don't want to hear... Any talk of uh, Christmas 
this early. My kids have a, 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 a an, an informal rule that they don't want to hear Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, but they don't even want to talk about Christmas stuff like shopping and all until December turns, no matter what. So this is their rule. I don't know why my kids decide to have this rule, but that's uh, where they are. So, But I'm breaking that rule. I'm breaking that rule right now because I want to tell you about a very cool opportunity if you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, I'll put it up on social media. There's a link there, and there we have a Christmas sale going on. Now, what's very cool about Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, I mean, not just very cool about her. She was an amazing lady, but what is amazing, one of the amazing things about her is she was an incredible writer. And so we have already published volume after volume of her books. We call them Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. And you got on, on patents, on pro-life, on Donald Trump, uh, all there. And again, you go to this website, you can follow this. Also, there's um, the first reader, very popular. Phyllis Schlafly wrote a reading manual for children to read back in the day, I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago. It's very popular these days. It's called The First Reader, and there's a First Reader workbook. Uh, you can find that there. You can also, there's tote bags, Phyllis uh, Schlafly tote bags, leather uh, pad, pad folio. We actually have a copy. Uh, the other day, you may remember, I appeared on Larry Elder's um, uh, radio show. And in the midst of all the different kind of appearance I made, I have acquired over the years some of the key books of folks uh, like Larry Elder. His book is A Lot Like Me at tw- uh, out in 2018 in paperback about his relationship with his father. Phenomenal book. You buy that there. We've got some uh, uh, David Horowitz books, autographed uh, books that are around. We also have uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, his book on uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pilots. Pilots. Pirates. If you uh, are upset they took down Thomas Jefferson's uh, a statue up in New York City. Here's a chance. This is a great history. Anyway, all of this is at this website. You can go there and check it out. Lots of books, including my uh, my uh, comic, excuse me, coloring books. Can't trump this Kofefe. There's a Christmas version. Uh, the most, the, the best book I can recommend. Really important for you to read is Phyllis Schlafly's book, A Choice, Not an Echo, which she updated in 2014. It was a a runaway uh, multi, sold I think almost 2.5 million copies in 1964. Well, all those years later, uh, um, 50 years later, she published an updated version and it gives you the best description of what's going on behind the scenes in the Republican Party and why it's so important to do that. So check it out. If you go, there's lots of gifts. About, oh, I want to meant to mention, there's also called the Turbo Reader. Phyllis, when she did the uh, first reader, she then did a, a Turbo Reader, which allowed people to uh, uh, a different level of reading you can get there. So another favorite of mine is Who Killed the American Family? Uh, extraordinary book written in 2014. You should get that. And then one last one I'll finish on. It's called The Supremacist. And it's uh, Phyllis writing about the importance, the tyranny of judges and how to stop it, the importance of the fight over judges. So a lot there. If you go again for Christmas, all these books, there's no supply chain problems. <laughs> there's no issues. You can sign uh, buy these books now. We'll get them to you. In just a few days, you'll get them for Christmas, and there really is something for everybody. If you have somebody that loves the pro-life movement, there's really nothing like uh, Volume 3 of Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. It's called, its subtitle is How the Republican Party Became Pro-Life, and it marches through how Phyllis Schlafly was able uh, to um, shape 
the platform of the Republican Party. It's an extraordinary history. It's got a description of, uh, of, of tactics to get it done. It's got description of the people that were against it. It's really great. Um, another book, by the way, that I recommend uh, to you is uh, if you have somebody who is a young person who's interested in being a speaker uh, and uh, speaking professionally, we put together, in fact, Phyllis picked this out before she died. The very first volume of her uh, writings is called Phyllis Shafley Speaks, Volume 1, Her Favorite Speeches. She pulled out a set of her favorite speeches, and we published them. And they're on every subject. They're on the military. They're on life issues. They're on patents. They're on the uh, the um, economy, uh, education. Uh, one of her favorite topics, of course, the Constitution. She writes on that uh, in there. So that's a great one. And I, I've actually given that book uh, quite a few times to young people, our collegians, uh, or someone that I know that just is interested in politics and policy, uh, to show um, she... Phyllis Schlafly was a writer her whole life, and she attributed the fact that she could write, uh, that she wrote well and worked hard at it, to helping her think clearly. You you cannot be a loose thinker if you're writing all the time. You cannot. You just can't do it. And so she attributed that. And she wrote an extraordinary amount uh, in her long life. In fact, if you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you can see the button for the uh, for the sale. But also, I'd recommend that you go there and you can look at her Phyllis Schlafly reports. Uh, she wrote so many um, essays, so many columns, and so many uh, reports. They called her PS Reports. It was a monthly report. I- I- incredible uh, discipline, incredible cl- uh, clarity. And as I often tell people, I can go back and look over the 50-year period where she was writing so frequently. I can go back and look, and I can track down almost any topic, uh, anything that was you know in the news she had written about uh, in some way. And her take is almost always uh, not just – it's not that it's unique. She didn't do things just to make it different, but it was um, – she had a way of seeing things – uh, that was different than most people. And so you could go and figure that out. So com to find out more. And uh, you want to sign on and you want to uh, pick up some gifts. And by the way, the proceeds go, of course, to our work, uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. So it supports us there. All right. So there's some Christmas gifts. If you need a gift to thank uh, Noah Dingley, our great producer, you can go there. Or Joanna Spilger, our great uh, assistant producer who helps book these guests. Go there and get them a gift. You can do it there. So uh, more of that on social media. Thank you for listening. We will be back uh, tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.